0: Take your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 through 6. I'm going to continue this morning on our theme for the year, by faith. Touch someone next to you and say, by faith. By faith. faith. This was supposed to be a a two-parter, it's actually become a three-parter. It could go longer. Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 through 6 says this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. How many of you want a good testimony this morning? By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, someone say, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, Father, we thank you this year. We are learning to live by faith and to walk by faith and not by sight. May we decrease and may you increase in Jesus' name. Amen. Two weeks ago, we left off with Enoch, who the Bible says walked with God, and then he was no more because God took him. The Bible says this, that Enoch had the testimony that he pleased God. Now, I want to remind you that it was not anyone else that had that testimony of Enoch. It was God who gave that testimony that he pleased him. How many of you want to have that same testimony that you pleased the Lord? That was really weak this morning. I mean, that's like three of you. Yeah, man, if I do, my goodness. Now, I'm going to tell you that's the problem. So let me preach at you. That's been the problem there's a tepidness about us wanting to please the Lord. Enoch woke up every day with a desire to please God. When his eyes opened, he had a life to live and things to do, but his sole desire was to live by faith and not by sight. He woke up with a desire to please God with everything that was in him. And listen, faith desires to please God in everything. It is not just a Okay. It's not a amen. Listen, I am you you are probably I know that I've been a fairly intense preacher for the last 17 years. You're probably about to watch God take that to a new level. Because I gotta tell you, the state of what's happening in America, the things that are happening in the church is because Christians have become half-hearted. Listen, this wasn't even my notes, so I'm just kind of leaving it for a second about everything. Eh, you know, if God doesn't, okay. If I see people healed, okay. If they get it, okay. We are content to let things stay the way they are. But Enoch wasn't. He walked with God, that's what I'm talking about. And he wanted to please the Lord. In every single way. You see, not only did they believe that God is, not only did they want to please him, what we left off two weeks ago was that they believed he is a rewarder of those who, ah, you listened, diligently seek him. I want to tell you, he's a good God. He is A faithful father he is good to his children and what we believe about God really affects every part of our life yesterday I was talking to my former youth pastor and he's recently moved down to Boynton Beach because he's ministering in South America to the youth that's become his launching point And how many of you know moving to Florida is a whole different experience? If you've ever just moved here from somewhere else. And he said, listen, I moved down here. They told me I had to have insurance. And uh, then they started checking on my roof after I bought the house. And so now I have a mortgage. And then the insurance company said I had to fix my roof. So he ordered the materials to fix the roof, but they were on back order. And then the insurance company said, but you have to have it fixed by this date or we're dropping you. And he said, wait a minute. I'm in the process of getting it fixed. And you're going to drop me. And they said yes. And so the materials weren't in. And they told him, we're going to drop you by this day. It's done. And his prayer was this. Lord, you sent me to Florida. You asked me to move to Florida. So I thank you that you'll take care of me. Even what they're saying is impossible will be fine. He said, you know what? I walked outside my door And there sitting in our neighborhood was a business card for someone who was looking to insure people. He said, I called them up and that day I was insured and now I'm still covered. He said, I'm gonna have to go back and get different insurance, but at least I'm covered for now. Listen, how many of you know God is faithful? How many of you believe he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him? I think it's time for us to learn that again when we seek God, we'll have what his word said. Christians who live by faith and not by sight and trust God with everything. Now I want to pick up where we left off. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Those who live by faith will do the things that God asks, even when they are a huge undertaking or something that has never been done before. Hebrews eleven seven 7 says this, By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved. I like that word. That's an action word. He moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Noah was not worried about what the world thought. He was worried about what God thought. And the Bible says, because God told him to do something, he moved with godly fear, and in doing so, condemned the world by his godliness. Think about this Noah built a huge ship in a place that had never received rain, and he worked on it for over 100 years. He was going to get into a boat with no engine, no rudder, no sails, just a big box of a zoo that was going to float at the whim of the waters. And the Bible says that he moved with godly fear. No one ever said, we've never done it that way before. Noah was actually doing something that had never been done before. And many times... God will ask the same of us. And we might think, God, I've never done it this way. Or I've never done it, period. I believe that God is going to ask things of those children in these last days that will blow our minds. And we're going to see him move. The Bible says that Noah had the same testimony that his grandfather Enoch had. In Genesis 6, verses 8 through 9, it says... But Noah found favor and grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the records of the generations, the family history of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, one who was just and had right standing with God, blameless in his evil Generation. Now, listen, how many of you know he had an evil generation and we live in an evil generation? And then it says this Noah walked or lived in habitual fellowship with God. In the midst of his evil generation, he walked by faith. And by faith, the Bible says he was blameless. Over and over again in Genesis, we read, And God said to Noah, and then we read, And Noah obeyed the word of the Lord. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. A life lived by faith talks with God, listens to God, and then obeys God. That is a life that's lived by faith. A life that talks to the Lord, listens to what he's saying, and then obey what he says to do. Can you imagine for a hundred years people wrote Noah off as the crazy guy with a huge project. He didn't let the voices of what others were saying sway him. And that was a life lived by faith. As a matter of fact, 100 years tested the word of God to him. How many of you have found that life will test your faith year in and year out. Life will also test God's word to you. I've watched as God's promises to John have been tested for about eight years now. He hasn't gotten out of the wheelchair and walked yet. Listen, I'm still believing it's gonna happen here. I still believe one day when he comes here to preach that he's gonna get out of that thing, shake that thing off, take his trach out while we're all watching and we're gonna get to see God do a powerful work. Those who live by faith know that God will keep his word and they will keep doing what God says to do. You see, life will test our willingness to talk to God, to listen to God, and to obey God, but when it is our desire to please him, we're going to pass the test. Turn to someone next to you and tell them it's time to pass the test. Listen, there's been a lot of believers that I've been watching in these last couple years go, I don't understand this. I don't get why this is happening to me. It just seems like it's going and it keeps on lasting. God is testing the word that he has given you, whether you believe it or whether you don't. How many of you believe the word of God? Because Noah walked by faith with God, his family was saved and they were spared the judgment of God. I want to remind you this morning, and someone needs to hear this, your life of faith is the ark that your family needs. Time and again, I've watched this. As moms and dads or grandma and grandpa, you've served the Lord and you kept on serving God, you kept being faithful to God, and because of your faithfulness to God, your family is serving Jesus today. I want to tell you our life of faith determines if our children live or die. All of these things that we can provide our kids pale in comparison to our life of faith. The Bible says that Noah walked with God And because he did, his children followed him into a place of safety, and they were saved. In Acts 16.31, it says this, They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. How many of you love that promise? Listen, I want to tell you in walking by faith, I've determined this as a dad. The devil can't have my children right now all my children are serving Jesus. And I've made this commitment. My grandchildren are not going to be had by the enemy. They're going to serve the Lord as well. Listen, if that is your promise that God has given you, say a good amen. Amen. A lot of people have to understand, your kids and grandkids, if you are faithful to the Lord, they don't stand a chance. God has given you promises, and no matter how far they stray, if you will be faithful, you will bring them right into the kingdom of God. If you're thankful for that, give them a shout of praise this morning. Family's God's idea. And those who walk by faith understand that God cares about those that we care about. Think about how many people that your life is making a difference in because you walk by faith. I want you to think about the amount of time Noah spent with God to get every detail for the ark. That's a detailed conversation. I want to remind you this morning that God is in the details. There's a saying out there that says, well, the devil's in the details. The devil's not in the details. God's in the details. How many of you can just agree with me? We're going to quit putting the devil in God's place. Someone say a good amen. Listen, Psalms 37, 23, and 24 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights, watch this, in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Those who live by faith realize that God is in every detail of their life, and they welcome it. Listen, I want God in every detail of my life. And really, He'll be as detailed as you let Him be. How many of you have been married for more than five minutes? How many of you have been married at all? Listen, how many of you have found that your spouse is involved in just about every detail of your life? And really, they're as, they're as involved as you let them be. Sometimes you go, listen, I don't want you in that. But it's welcome. Listen, I've got to tell you, when I get up in the morning, especially Sunday mornings, I've got to make sure that what I put on matches. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes my wife looks at me and goes, yeah, try again. Listen, I'm a preacher, not a fashion icon. Somehow Greg does it. Greg, I mean, just always looks good. I look at Greg and I'm like, I wish I had his taste. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, that's good. Me, I'm just glad something fits, you know? And I'm like, okay, let's go. But how detailed do you want God to be in your life? You see, those who live by faith trust God to lead and direct their lives. Hebrews 11, 8, and 9 says, By faith... Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out, now I like this, not knowing where he was going. That's a life of faith. Sometimes you just gotta obey God and be honest with the fact going, I don't even know what he's doing. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promises in a foreign country, dwelling in tents, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Listen, those who walk by faith don't always know where they're going or how to get there, but they trust God to lead them. And then when they get where they're supposed to be, the Bible says they dwell in the land of promise, even though it is foreign or a strange place to them. That word strange simply means this, unfamiliar. I want to remind us this morning that walking and living in the promises of God means that they're going to feel a little strange because you haven't grown familiar with them yet. Everybody expects the promises of God to just be something really wonderful, and they are but they often feel a little odd because when you get there, it's not something you've been used to. And I love the honesty of this. Abraham's faith to dwell where God told him to dwell in an unfamiliar place affected the trajectory of his family for generations. Even up until today, Abraham could never imagine or foresee the current state of Israel Can you imagine this man who was wandering in tents in the very land that Israel occupies now would be amazed at the size of the cities that Jerusalem has become and Tel Aviv and all around? James 2.23 says, and the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham, now watch this, believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called The friend of God. Abraham is a friend of God because he believed him. When I first wrote that down in my notes, I wrote the words trusted. And the Lord went back and he said, erase that. Because that's not what it says. He said he believed me. He didn't just trust me. Every word that I said, he took as true to such an extent that he lived with it and based his whole entire life on it. I want you to look at me, Christian. Those who live by faith believe this word. So much so that they have built their entire life on what God has said. The way they wake up, the way they live, From the time they wake up to the time that they go to sleep. That is a life lived by faith. Not just certain aspects of the word, but every aspect of the word. Because they understand that if they live this word, they will live pleasing to the Lord. I want to ask you this morning, do you believe this word? Every bit of it. Do you believe God and his promises? Because if you do, we'll live by it. Every bit of it. I love this. Abraham lived in tents. What that means is he was able to live temporary so that his descendants could have permanent. That's faith. And someone needs to hear this. Temporary always precedes the permanent. We want permanency, but there are sometimes we've got to go through some temporary things and dwell in the unfamiliar until things become established. I've learned that as a father, I might have to go through some temporary things so that my children will have better than I do. How many of you have been willing to sacrifice for your children? Amen. Listen, do you understand that our father sacrificed his firstborn? Jesus went through the temporary so that we could have the permanency. Turn to someone and say, I'm looking for permanency. Go ahead, looking for permanency. See, the American dream is built on the temporary. We live in the temporary. We make temporary decisions, not permanent decisions, because we want the immediate gratification. But those who live by faith look at other people, and we look different from other people because we're not just aiming our life at the temporary. We're aiming at the eternal. Can I tell you, if you live to be a hundred or a hundred and twenty or a hundred and thirty. That is temporary compared to eternity. Someone say a good amen. Understand those who are living in the now realize that this is nothing compared for the ever that, forever that waits us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths you see Abraham lived a life of faith believing and trusting God period Abraham longed for a heavenly country a place of promise in the Hebrew that phrase means this a place with the father Abraham wasn't longing for a place in this world he was longing for a place with the Father. Can I remind you this morning that God is with us? So that means that no matter where we go or where we are, we are always home. Because the Father is there. The Bible says that that all these people that we've been studying are people of faith. And I want to remind you they understood they wanted a place with the Father. Too many of us today are working hard to make a mark or leave a mark in this world instead of longing for a place with the Father. But when we begin to read through these people, each one was not attracted to this world or to the spirit of the age. They weren't willing to wait for heaven. They had a fellowship with the Father while they were still on earth. Touch someone next to you and say, I want that with the Father, a place. Now I want to shift for a minute. I want to shift out of Hebrews and I want to shift into Romans. Romans chapter 10, 17 says this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And by faith, that's our theme for the year. And the Bible says this that the just walk by faith and not by sight. We understand that a life of faith, listen, isn't all about the miracles. It's not all about the big enormous things. The Bible tells us that if we have the faith as a mustard seed, then we can move mountains. One of the things that we've learned as we've studied about the people in Hebrews was that the main reason they had exceptional faith was because they spent time with God. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. First of all, faith starts with hearing the good news of the gospel. And I want to remind you that when Romans was written, there was no New Testament the gospel was introduced to people who listened and received the word of God. And then it was up to them to develop a relationship with God himself and to know his voice. I love the saying that we are what we eat. And we are. The same holds true spiritually. You see, a life lived by faith is only possible if we are feeding on the relationship we have with God as he speaks to us. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered them and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Can I ask you this morning, are you hungry for God? It's interesting, I've noticed... As I get older, my tastes have changed. Really have. I I still am Italian. I still love a good pizza. But when I was young, I didn't mind a Domino's pizza. Yuck. When I was younger, I didn't like the taste of a lot of vegetables. As a matter of fact, when I was growing up, mom used to be like, put ketchup on your peas. Listen, you can, I've watched you people put ketchup on eggs and on mac and cheese. It's still all bad. Amen. Now you can put hot sauce on peas. Listen, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I ate like a child. But when I became a man, listen, My wife just started us juicing this last couple weeks, all kinds of fun stuff, and I actually like it. It's not bad. I used to watch some of you people who were juicing all the time, you'd walk around with them green things, those jars, and I'd just be like, y'all nasty. It's really not bad. (laughs) Well, you can, I'm telling you, it's really not bad, it's all right. I'm telling you, I felt the same way, so don't feel bad, it's all right. But I want to ask you, do you have a a hunger for God? Our spiritual life is dependent on the words we hear from God himself. In Mark 3, 13 through 15, it's interesting to see that the first thing Jesus did when he called his disciples was to call them to himself and to spend time with them on the mountain. In Mark 3, 13 through 15, it says, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach, and to have power to heal sickness, and to cast out demons. Now I want you to watch this. Before the preaching... Before the power to heal and to cast out demons, Jesus called the disciples to spend time with him alone on the mountain. Before they would see the miracles, they spent intimate time in the presence of the Lord, and they had a personal relationship and fellowship with Jesus. I want to remind you, church, that a life lived by faith is one that spends time in fellowship with Jesus. And when the disciples struggled with faith and unbelief, Jesus' answer to them wasn't to do more. His answer wasn't to try harder. His prescription was to spend more time in his presence. I want to tell you that I believe the prescription for the American church is more time with Jesus. Matthew 17, 15 through 21 Someone came to the Lord and they said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, an epileptic, and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured. Someone say, was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, because you have so little faith, for assuredly I say to you, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Now watch this, and nothing, say that with me, nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now I'm about to teach you something, are you paying attention The opposite of fear, I'm sorry, of faith is not fear. The opposite of fear is peace. The opposite of faith is unbelief. Remember, faith isn't what you believe about a situation. Faith is what you believe about God. Faith is not what you believe about a situation. It's what you and I believe about God. God. And a life lived by faith is rooted in our belief and our trust and our relationship with God. And in Luke 18, 27, but he said, the things which are impossible with man are possible with God. So a life of faith recognizes our limitations as people but places no limitations on God because faith understands that with God nothing is impossible. Now go ahead and give the Lord praise for that. That's all right. You see, the reason the disciples couldn't cast out that demon is because that demon had a strong will and on their own, the disciples couldn't dislodge him, and they believed that. Jesus said the reason that the disciples could not cast out the demon was because it messed with what they believed about themselves, and it messed with what they believed about God. Jesus rebuked their unbelief, and then reminded them that if they only had a little faith that nothing would be impossible for them. Just faith the size of a mustard seed. In a few weeks, I'm going to preach on great faith. It's going to take me two weeks to unfold it for you. Because there is little faith, and there is great faith. God has given everyone a measure of faith, but that faith can grow. Now, Jesus did give the caveat that this kind of demon only could be removed by prayer and fasting. What's prayer? Intimate time spent with God. And fasting is the deliberate denial of self. Here's what fasting does. Fasting helps us to realize that it's not all about us. It's all about God. Turn to someone right now and say it ain't all about you. Go ahead, tell someone it ain't all about you. Tell someone else behind you next to you, it ain't all about you. Go ahead. Listen, it ain't all, Listen, sometimes my wife has to remind me, Marvin, it ain't all about you. It's not. Listen, that's why we take the first Part of our year to pray and fast so that we can grow in intimacy with God and we can be reminded that it's not about us. It's all about Jesus. You see, we make it all about us, but it ain't about you. Well, worship, it just didn't move me today. It ain't about you. You're here to worship Jesus. It wasn't about how you felt. Well, you know, I just didn't feel it. Well, but did you minister to Jesus? You see, the antidote for unbelief wasn't trying harder. It wasn't saying you need to believe more, try to believe more. He didn't say that. He said it's prayer and fasting. Time spent with Jesus and denying yourself. How do we grow by faith? By spending more time with God and denying our flesh and stop making everything all about us. You see, the greater the strongholds that we deal with, the more time we need to spend with God and deny our flesh. And nothing weakens faith like our flesh getting in the way. Our doubt, our sin, and our unbelief. I want to remind you this morning that the key to miracles is time with God. There are no shortcuts to a life lived by faith. And the life lived by faith is done by those who spend time with the Lord. I don't want a show of hands. And I know this is a praying church. But if I were to ask you how many of you have spent time each day in this month of prayer and fasting, I wonder if we'd see a 100% Or many who would say, you know, I know that's the good thing to do, but I haven't been doing any of it. Listen, I don't get to pastor other churches. I get to pastor this one. And I know what God has called me to say and to speak, and that's this. God's calling us to be like the people in Hebrews chapter 11. Those who live their life by faith. And this year... I want to tell you, and listen, that doesn't mean that you spend you know, 100% of your life in church. How many of you understand there's a whole lot more living to do beyond the walls of this building? Someone say a good amen. We are the church. We just attend with one another in fellowship. But we are the church outside these walls, and it's a life lived by faith. Now, I want to take a moment to transition back to Hebrews chapter 11. If you're still with me for about 10 more minutes, say a good amen. amen. I'm glad, because I was going to preach anyway. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. A life lived by faith believes that God is faithful to his word. Hebrews 11, 11 through 12 says, By faith, Sarah herself also receives strength to conceive seed. How many of you know it takes strength to conceive what God puts inside of you? And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Sarah was past age. To have children. And Abraham was so old that even the Bible says he was as good as dead. That's old. <laughs> she had faith because she judged that God was faithful. She had the conviction. that God does what he says. And it was her conviction that led to the conception. I want to ask you, how do you judge God? Because we all judge God. I've heard people, well, if God loved me, well, you just judged him. Well, if God really meant you just judged him. Listen, in America, we're really good at that. We judge everything. We think we know everything about everything. I mean, listen, we do. We go into restaurants and we're like, well, you know, this, is, this was okay. You know, this kind of, it had that crunchiness to it with a, a slight hint, and aroma of, of apples with a, just a little hint of jelly. You have no idea what you're talking about. Listen, when I sit down to eat, I just know if I like it or if I don't like it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I like it, I don't like it. That's not judgment, that's just what it is. I want to ask you, how do you judge God? 90 years, God had given her a promise, you're going to have a child. Most people give up on that. At 90 years, she was able to look at Abraham and go, you got one inside of you, I just know it. God said, you're going to give me a boy. I don't know how romantic that looked or how it didn't. All I know is that Abraham wound up giving her a son. Come on, someone say a good amen. We all, listen, have an estimation of people. We all believe certain things about God. And Sarah lived a life of faith and received the promises of God because she and Abraham had a word from God. God promised them a son, and she had one, even though both of them were past age. A life lived by faith believes God when everything in the natural points to that being impossible. To live a life by faith doesn't mean that you don't acknowledge what things look like. It just means that you trust God and believe in God more. Can I tell you, I'm going to bring it up again. One of the reasons why I love this young man is because he never denies. When he was, I told him a couple years ago, I said, I want you to write a book on healing, John. I want you to write a book on healing. Because no one has trusted God more than you. No one has been faithful to serve God more than you. And listen, he knows when he gets up here to preach that he can't be the dynamic one pacing around and preaching and talking really loud. He's limited by what his body can do. He's never denied that. But he judges that God is faithful. How do you judge God? Man, when I look at John doing that stuff, there's some things I've gotten frustrated with. And I talk to John every week. I call him up and then he'll just start talking, and there's things I'm going frustrated for, and I'm just like, How in the world can I be this when he's living like that? Sarah judged God as faithful. When I started preparing this message, I kept thinking about the verses about Sarah. And at the same time, I was thinking about Hannah, the mother of Samuel. She couldn't conceive as well. And someone needs to hear this this morning. There's a difference in being able to believe and in being able to conceive. These two women were having trouble conceiving, but they never stopped believing. The two aren't the same. All too often we accuse people who are living by faith of having unbelief because they are not conceiving. And God honored these women because they chose to believe and trust God. And they believed, but they had no concept of how much God was going to bless them. Can you imagine at 91 years of age as Sarah gives birth to that son? She's holding this baby, crying, and then napping in her arms. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things. Some would say the things. That's not just one thing. There's lots of things which God has prepared for those who love him. The NIV says, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. When Hannah couldn't conceive, she went to pouring out her heart to God in belief, and God gave her the ability to conceive. Listen, Hannah didn't just give birth to Samuel But if you read a little further, she had three more sons and two more daughters. Because she believed, she began conceive over and over and over and over again. And that's a word that someone needs to hear today. No matter what anyone else thinks, you just keep believing and trusting God and what his word says, and you are gonna conceive things that you never imagined over and over and over. If you believe that, say a good amen. amen. Listen, believing is our part. Conceiving is God's part. Believing is not trying to conceive more. It is trusting God. And no matter how much Sarah and Abraham had tried to conceive, they could not until God got involved. And those who walk by faith realize they can't force a conception on their own. Listen, some of you are trying to force your kids to serve Jesus. You just need to believe. God will bring forth the conception. That's his job. So many times we're trying to do God's job. And and you'll notice these people, they cried out to the Lord, they got the word, and then they just lived until they received peacefully. I'm going to stop right there. I've got one more whole point, but I believe the Lord wants me to stop on that. Believe, and you shall receive. But remember, there's the process. Believe, conceive, receive. Believe, conceive, receive. A life by faith believes his word. There are some things that God had shown me that, and they have happened in my life, that I would have never, ever received because I couldn't conceive it. I thought that was my job. God said, I give you a word, believe. Because you judge me faithful. And then he drops into your spirit, into your heart, the ability to see it. And it becomes birthed inside of you. Eventually. Listen, how many of you know a baby that stays inside is not a good thing? After a while, there's delivery. How many believe you have a God who delivers? If you think UPS delivers... You should trust God. And He's on time. Someone say a good amen. If you'd stand with me this morning. I recognize this has been a challenging message, but I believe it's been something that'll teach. When I, I've got to tell you, as a pastor, what I've watched in America over the last, and I've been at this 30 years, and I could say that over the last probably 20. There's been a shift in Christianity. I grew up watching people who lived by faith. Now, not all of them, but a great many. I believe God is calling us deeper to be more like Him. There'll be one more message About by faith. And then during the next couple months, I'm going to talk about different subjects how we live that out by faith. Raising our families by faith. Walking in miracles by faith. Church, I want to tell you we say as Christians that we want to see this world come to Jesus, we say it. But do you believe it's possible? Jesus said that in the last days there would be a revival where souls, he did say there'd be a great falling away. We're watching that. I don't know if you noticed that. But he also promised there'd be a harvest of souls. He said, open your eyes for the fields are already white to harvest. By the way, that's gonna be another message, faith of the harvest. We would say, I wanna be person." who receives what God has. And I believe his word. Would you just lift your hand? Father, this morning we want to thank you that you're in this place. You're in this room. By your Holy Spirit, you have been able to apply this word better than any preacher. I thank you how individually, Spirit of God, you have spoken your word in a way that each of us are able to understand exactly what it is that you want us to do with it. By faith, we trust you. Father, I pray right now that you would forgive us of our unbelief. Any place in our life that we have not judged you faithful, Anywhere in our life where we have accused you of not keeping your word, we repent of that now in Jesus' name. Listen, if that's you, repent right now. Just say, Lord, please forgive me. I lay it down. Lord, from this point on, we make it our aim every day to please you. We want the same testimony that Enoch and Abraham and Noah had in that they pleased God. Lord, when we get to heaven, we don't want to just hear well done, good and faithful servant from Jesus. Oh, God, when we walk in, I want you to, I want to be able to see you look at me and look at this church and go, they pleased me. I'm so pleased with them. And I thank you, Lord, that's possible as we obey and trust you. I thank you that we're not serving an unreasonable God thank you that you're faithful. Lord, for all those things we're trusting you for right now, some are, there are some right now, there are certain things that are in the mind of each one, and I I wouldn't even know what that is. For some, it's family. For some, it's finances. For some, it's where you're leading them and directing them. Right now, they're in the unfamiliar, but I thank you that you're faithful. Today, Lord, we're going to make the investment in this year in the temporary so that the eternal will follow. We thank you for those promises. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to dismiss. There's, listen, some wonderful food out there to eat. Sarah and the team put together a, a wonderful feast after church. I encourage you to get a little snack. How many of you get peckish after church? Get a little something to eat. But listen, we're going to leave the altars open. I'm going to ask those that are on the prayer team to come if you need healing, if there's something you'd like to pray about. We'll just gather around here. But may the Lord bless you. May you have a marvelous week. And if I can remind you, we do have Wednesday night service. We do. It's amazing. And we've been here seven o'clock each week. We'd love to see you. God bless you. Have a great week.